Welcome to Strangeland, everybody. I am your host, Dr. Dark. This week, we're going to be discussing the Montauk Project. The Mon- This is a really good one, everybody. They're all going to be good. This one's stellar. It's stellar because of its relevancy to today. To what it, it has influenced. To things that we already know about the, you know, about the government. It's, it, it, this, is a, this is some crazy, craziness, people. So again, let's get into it. The Montauk Project. Back in the early 80s, a gentleman by the name of, actually, let me refresh. Let me, let me reboot here. So back in 1992, a gentleman by the name of Preston Nichols, he came out, he wrote a series of books known as The Montauk Project, specifically The Montauk Project Experiments in Time. And he self-published these books. And they are actually available, excuse me, available as a PDF, which I will be tagging and, you know, I'll put the link to it up on my social media. But what Preston claimed is that in the early 80s, in Montauk, New York, there was a Air Force base there. And in addition to the Air Force base, there was, it was called Camp Hero. So this was, this was, I don't know the East Coast too terribly well at all, but it was on the East end of Long Island. And a lot of these, you know, these accusations, again, came from time during the early 80s where allegedly the Air Force Base and Camp Hero essentially doubled or were, you know, a facade for some fairly troubling experiments that were going on. I mean, this Preston dude, he's, he's since died. But he claimed to have degrees in parapsychology, psychology, and electrical engineering. Which, if he did, you know, pretty well-versed dude. He claimed that he was periodically abducted against his will. And experimented on, basically. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the best way you can describe this, is he claims that he was abducted against his will and experimented on. In an underground base by government scientists. He claims that, you know, due to these experiments, that he, you know, he dealt with what a lot of people in this world deal with, and that is repressed memories. 
His just happened to be repressed memories of his true identity. And that's real, folks. I mean, lots of people deal with repressed memories. Where it's not even necessarily that they... that they know that something happened, but they can't remember the details. Obviously, that's a thing. This is, they don't even know. Like, there's oftentimes there's chunks of your life that are missing. And most of the time, this is due to trauma of some sort. Most of the time, that's, you know, abuse. Doesn't always have to be. Sometimes it can be due to a traumatic brain injury. There are, other, there, there are other ways other than just abuse that you can suffer from this. But that's what he claims. He claims that he, you know, had repressed memories of his true identity that he eventually recovered. And that's when he went on to write these series of books. The Montauk Project. Preston has since died. He died back in 2018. And, of course, things that he alleges took place. You know, there's, there are many, many, many skeptics out there. And they characterize the books as fiction. Because, again, a lot of the things that Preston alleges happened are down, sound downright crazy. And these skeptics believe that the again that these stories were just completely fabricated, to which one has to ask this question is what do you have to gain? What do you have to gain? When you do something like this, when you write a book, when you allege certain things, especially against the government. It's not always going to end well for you. You're going to have loads of people saying that you're full of shit. You're, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Obviously, on the flip side of that, if it catches on, many people are going to want to buy your book. They're going to talk to you. So is it a, you know, you're trying to, you know, Get your glory. Get your 15 minutes of fame. I don't know. But the way this is relevant to today is the hit, and I mean hit, Netflix series Stranger Things is based off of the Montauk Project. And if you haven't seen Stranger Things, I don't know what to tell you. Check it out. So Stranger Things, for those that don't know, basically deals in, if you really you know, cut out the fat, it deals in this. There are experiments being done, portals being opened by the government, scientists within the government, and a bunch of crazy shit happens. And there you have the Montauk Project. So again, Preston, he, he, he alleged that it was a mind control program. And it involved, you know, abduction of orphaned children, runaways, and that 
these kids were reportedly subjected to physical and psychological torture. Just like 11 and some of the other kids in the movie Stranger Things. Not movie, series, Stranger Things. The other thing that it alleges is that they were opening up space-time portals to other dimensions and having contact with alien life forms. Again, sound familiar? The upside down, anybody? And this is true, 100% true, that the series Stranger Things was based, obviously not to a T, but the Montauk Project heavily influenced Stranger Things. And where this gets crazy, I mean, first off, let's go back. I mean, you got to be a special kind of sick to not only be the type of person or entity who abducts children. I don't care if they're orphans, runaways, whatever. I think we can all agree upon you are, you're, you're sick. If you're doing that, you're evil. But when you take it to that extra level of subjecting children, anybody for that matter, but children especially, to physical and psychological torture, you, this had, I mean, th- this is reminiscent. It obviously is not, it's not even, it's not on the same scale as the Holocaust. Let's be clear. Not even on the same scale. Because again, this is a conspiracy theory. We know the Holocaust happened. So I want to be very clear about that. But over in Nazi Germany, many people who were enslaved in the concentration camps were experimented on. You hear about the, you know, the angel of death over in Nazi Germany, Joseph Mengele. I may have butchered that name, but screw him. He would experiment on people. And I guess he had a fondness for twins. And just was was just an insanely sick and evil individual. And what's weird about all this is that Preston alleges that this base, these experiments, that they were all financed by gold that was recovered during World War II by U.S. troops from the Nazis. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony that U.S. forces were sent over in World War II, fought along our allies to take down Nazi Germany, who were doing these egregious, committing egregious acts on people. And then you take some of the money, gold, 
that you, you know, that you took and you then used it to fund this. It's effed up. But this dates back even further. There's another conspiracy theory called the Philadelphia Experiment back in 1943. And what the Philadelphia Experiment, what it was in regards to was that, again, during the war, the U.S., they were, the, the Navy, the, you know, their, their researchers, they were, they were trying to find a way for their, their ships to bypass Nazi radar. And they were doing this, they were trying to do this by using electromagnetic fields. So what the Philadelphia experiment, you know, what it, what it was more specific to was the U.S. Navy's ship, the USS Eldridge. And what this radar was. So again, reportedly, Reportedly, we were successful in coming up with this radar technology that allowed our ships to go undetected. Here's the kick. Not just, you know, being invisible to radar, but totally invisible, even to the naked eye. So that's like some, you know, some Harry Potter cloak of invisibility shit, except huge Huge. And so the USS Eldridge, it was stationed at a naval shipyard in Philadelphia, hence the Philadelphia experiment. And what happened is that not only was it, you know, invisible to the naked eye, but it got transported, supposedly, through a space-time wormhole to Norfolk, Virginia, more than 200 miles away. And when the, when the ship ultimately reappeared several minutes later, at, you know, in Philadelphia, some, so this is where, you know, take a deep breath, everybody, breathe with me. Some crew members had been fused into the bulkheads of the ship and had rematerialized inside out. Like some like some Hellraiser shit. And reportedly, those who were on board the ship, those who were not, you know, driven insane, those who didn't go crazy. They, I don't know, but think about that. Imagine this is true. Imagine you are on that ship. It is able to disappear through a wormhole, travel more than 200 miles away, 
and then reappear back in the shipyard in Philly. And crew members were fused into the ship and, you know, turned inside out. I think you'd be a little disoriented. Not disoriented, not you'd be disoriented, but I think you'd be a little, you know, be a little messed up from that. And what they alleged was that the ship actually got caught in a, they called it a hyperspace bubble that existed outside of, you know, space time. Now, the laws of physics, obviously, kind of, you know, they don't coincide. They don't jive with, you know, these, these allegations. And going back to the whole, you know, game of telephone, the, the more you read about the Philadelphia experiment, the more you see that there's a lot of inconsistencies there. But this helped give, this helped birth the Montauk Project. Because in 1984, it was the mid-80s, there was, a, there was a really shitty movie that was made about the Philadelphia Experiment called The Philadelphia Experiment. And a guy... So we're going to bring in another figure into this conspiracy, a gentleman by the name of Al Bialik. He saw the movie and he then goes on to claim that he had, you know, deja vu of sorts. Or one could say he then started, you know, some of these repressed memories started coming back. If he suffered the same thing. And Al Bielik, he claims that he was also involved in the Montauk Project. Now, I don't know if Preston Nichols and Al Bielik you know, knew each other before this. They were homies. Or if they conspired to come up with the story. I don't know that. But he claims the same type of thing. And he also claims that, you know, the Philadelphia experiment and the Montauk project were like, you know, intertwined. And he claims that his memories were, you know, erased or wiped or suppressed using the CIA's MK Ultra, you know, program techniques, whatever you want to call it. And MK Ultra is one that we, you know, I will assuredly get into at a later date. Because th this has been validated. There was a very, very secret program of the CIA called MK Ultra. And so, again, coming back to this, Bielik, he then, he, when he came out with these revelations, he was claiming that his, you know, that Al Bielik wasn't his real name and that his real name was Edward Cameron and that he had a brother named Duncan Cameron and that they were crew members 
on the USS Eldridge in 1943 and that they were in their 20s at the time when it went missing. And he claims that the great, the great Nikola Tesla, that he himself engineered the technology that allowed the USS Eldridge to break out of it, that, you know, that wormhole. out of that space-time, you know, hole. And that this is where people, this gets, the levels to this just keep getting crazier. So he not so he's making these claims in that, you know, bringing Nikola Tesla into the picture. And so in claiming that, again, he and his brother were on the USS Eldridge and that when the wormhole opened, that it opened them up to the future where they then were in Camp Hero on Montauk Air Force Base in the early 80s. So we now have time travel, wormholes, time travel, space-time continuums, disappearing naval ships, people being turned inside out. And all of this being funded by Nazi gold. <laughs> this is batshit. And as batshit as it is, I love it. Love it. And so you remember, they, they were claiming that, that the, the Navy was using, you know, electromagnets or electromagnetic, you know, engineering to help achieve these effects, that, you know, like with the radar. Well, reportedly, again, according to whatever you want to call them, if you want to call them Al Bielik, have at it. If you want to call them... Eddie Cameron, have at it. But he claimed then that he and Preston, again, not Al. Well, it was Al. It was Al at that time, but he would have been Eddie in his previous time. So you see where I'm coming from with like, I don't really know if these dudes, like, knew each other. But what he claims, anyways, I digress. He claims that he and Nichols, Preston Nichols, going back to him, that they developed what was called the Montauk Chair, which was a mind-reading device using electromagnetic technology. And it was the the primary component, if you will, that was allowing these experiments to go on. Everybody sticking with me so far? 
So we're going to bring in Al slash Eddie's brother, Duncan. So Duncan Cameron, he was reported to have, to already have like, you know, psychic abilities and could reportedly, he could manifest objects just using his mind. So they, they used Duncan and they used Duncan in the Montauk chair so that they could, in essence, boost his psychic abilities, his powers. The, the chair itself, again, being able, it, for, if you believe in the whole psychic phenomena, it's a very powerful thing. In the psychic phenomena, now, I mean, again, they're alleging that Duncan was able to manifest objects with his mind. But again, they are stating that he could also open up portals. So we're back to these space-time portals now. And even going back to how this is relevant to today, this is what 11 from series, you know, season one, when 11 would be like in a, in a pool, they would put her in, you know, water and put that thing on her head. And she was then able to transport herself through a portal to another dimension, you know, the upside down. So you can see, again, what, see the tie-ins here. Another thing that they claimed they were able to do was something called remote viewing. And this was a concept that actually was researched by the CIA. And what they called it, they called the, the experiment was called the seeing eye. And what Duncan could do is if he had something of an individual if he had you know a lock of their hair or an item belonging to a certain person he was able to while in the montauk chair he was then able to do remote viewing where he could then see through that individual's eyes and he could hear. It's like he was, it wasn't just seeing. It's like he could, he was transporting himself into another person's body. And reportedly, anywhere on the planet, he could do this. Damn. Damn, son. And this led into, you know, 
more people being abducted, more underage. They then started, this is where the, you know, abduction of underage kids comes into play. Um, reportedly, some of them were no older than the age of four to be experimented on. And they were called nickel, Preston Nichols referred to these, you know, these kids who were abducted as the Montauk boys. And in Preston's claims, he claims that, you know, many of these boys who, you know, came out of this were so, that they were tortured so much physically and psychologically that they, you know, completely forgot about the, you know, the whole thing. Like legit forgot about it. Again, skeptics could then jump in and say, well, yeah, because it never happened. So they weren't really forgetting. It just never happened. And that's a fair, that's a fair counterpoint. It really is. But then more people started to confirm that this stuff was going on. In 2017, there was a gentleman by the name of Stuart Swordlow. And he claims that he was one of the Montauk boys. And that he was able to recover, you know, his repressed memories. He wasn't the only one. But Stuart Swordlow, again, comes out, claims that he was one of these Montauk boys. He said that they would use LSD to put their, you know, to put their brains into a, you know, into an altered state. Other things that he accused these scientists, government, whomever, of doing was, you know, being beaten with a wooden pole, starving you, then overfeeding you, subjecting you to extreme temperature variations, like super duper hot, so super duper cold, holding your head underwater until you nearly drown. And what he claimed was that the individual, and the individual himself, herself, themselves, I don't know. But he claimed that while these experiments were being done on them, when one of the scientists would step in and stop it, would stop, would pull your head up out from underwater, that those individuals almost became like their rescuers. So they then had a fondness towards them. Much like how Eleven did with Papa and Stranger Things. The more I'm thinking about this, the more I need to, uh, 
you know, grab a hold of one of these conspiracy theories and just start writing a TV show. And just change some things. But Swordlow claims, you know, his claims got even more outrageous because he claims that he and some of the other Montauk boys were, you know, sent to Mars, back to biblical times through these portals. And again, it was it was from this these experiments being done on them, this chair. Again, this chair that was using the same technology that Nikola Tesla had invented that was being used on naval ships. So back in the early 80s, ultimately the project was shut down because some of the researchers, I guess some of the researchers, scientists came out and said that, you know, the things were going too far. They were taking it too far. What was that? I don't know. I don't know how you really go too far beyond what you'd already done other than this report. This report from Preston Nichols, he claimed that Duncan Cameron manifested something, a monster, essentially. So Preston claims that they were actually the ones, not necessarily that the researchers shut it down, but that they were the actual cause for the researchers shutting it down. Not because the researchers and scientists were, you know, caring individuals and, you know, felt bad. No, he's alleging that he and Duncan, more specifically Duncan Cameron, what he did caused the researchers to say, Eh, tap out. We're out. Again, by manifesting a Lovecraft-esque monster that showed up in the base. And several people, several people have come out and said that they all saw this monster. Again, skeptics say, well, the, you know, the ones who claim they saw this, you know, they, they were all describing a different type of monster. Okay, again, fair point. But what do you think? What do you think? True? Completely fabricated? You tell me, people. Again, I want to hear from you. Or there's the middle ground. Was there some truth to it? I don't know. You can now, I mean, right now, you can go up to where this, you know, to Montauk Air Force Base. It's not operational anymore to camp hero 
again, where this underground base was. And I say was because I guess when the project ended, all of the equipment was destroyed. I know, I know, I know. Convenient. And it was then completely filled up with cement. And then they used the MK Ultra techniques on anybody who was working there, who was being experimented on, to wipe their minds. So again, true, false, some truth. You all tell me. You all tell me. So, skipping forward to some of today's news. Off of the conspiracy kick. So what's going on right now? Well, I can tell you what's going on. Donald Trump announced his, you know, running for presidency again. Woo, woo. Yay. So excited. Elon Musk bought Twitter, but this is a absolute shit show. To the point where people are now saying, what you know, did he buy this with the intent of running it into the ground? Of destroying it? I don't know. But he put out ultimatums recently, and a lot of Twitter employees, you know, calling him. Calling his bluff. I don't think he was bluffing, but they were calling. They were like, all right, bet. I'm out. Give me my severance. As of, well, I think it's today, as of this afternoon, a lot of the reports coming out are saying that over a thousand employees have resigned. So this isn't including the ones that he already fired. And remember, he fired a lot and then was in essence trying to, you know, beg them to come back. A lot of the engineers. And then breaking today from fortune.com was that Elon ordered all coders to show up at Twitter headquarters this afternoon. Like, what are you doing, dude? Elon, what? the hell are you doing what's the end game here because many twitter users are now are now predicting that you know twitter's dead it's done they're bouncing migrating over to different platforms so if that was the intent Elon, like truly, what the hell were you, like, what were you thinking paying, you know, that much money for this thing only to run it into the ground? Doesn't make any sense at at all. I don't get it. If anybody else, you know, 
has a theory on what the hell he's doing. Maybe he is just truly shit in the bed. Could be. Smart people shit the bed all the time. It happens. And it happens to the best of us. So we got that going on. We got Trump, Trumpy Dumpty announcing his presidency. Well, the, his run for the presidency again. If anything, we know it's going to be a oddly entertaining next couple of years. Having to listen to him again. <laughs> Talking about conspiracies. Good Lord. There'll be even more of them now. So anyways, I digress. I want to thank everybody for joining me in this episode. If you like it, shoot, give, give me a review. Get on Apple, Spotify, whatever. Follow, like, subscribe, leave a review. Five stars helps immensely. Welcome to Strangeland Podcast at Outlook.com. It's where you can reach me. Social media. Just search Dr. Dark. Welcome to Strangeland. You'll find the doc there. Hit me up. Deuces, everybody.